two. Anyway, we're in Revelation chapter 15. Revelation 15 is the, the shortest chapter in Revelation. It's kind of a transition. You know, 10, I said, was kind of an intro to the middle of the tribulation. 11, we met the, uh, the two witnesses. In chapter 12, we started, you know, looking at those uh, seven personages. Actually, started in chapter 11. You know, the two witnesses were the first of, and then we had the woman clothed in the sun, you know, and that whole sign there, and we talked about that. Chapter 13, we met the two beasts, uh, what we've come to know as the Antichrist and the false prophet. And chapter 14, we looked at over the last two weeks. What happens if you receive the mark? What happens if you don't receive the mark? Because chapter 13 left us with some questions answered in chapter 14. And chapter 15 is a continuation of that. The whole book is a continuation. It kind of rolls out in very orderly fashion. We've looked at that. So chapter 15 is kind of the outro to that middle of the tribulation. And what's left? It's not pretty. Bowls of wrath, dealing with Babylon, Armageddon. And then Jesus shows up. And then... It starts to turn a little bit. It's a happy day. And then there's the millennial kingdom and what we call the eternal order. And that's, that's the end of the book. So we'll be going over that. I know it sounds, you know, quick and easy. And it is in a lot of ways. But there's still things to be studied out. And so we'll, we'll do that now. Chapter 15, I'll read uh, this, the eight verses. And then we'll pause and we'll ask God's blessing on our time in his word. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. God, take this, your word, and bless it to our hearts and to our minds. Mostly to our hearts, Lord, we would know this intellectually, but we would do this. And we understand there's a blessing for those who hear and for those um, who read and for those who keep the words of this prophecy, Lord, we would keep this in not only in an obedient way, but about us, close to our hearts, close to our minds, Lord, that we would just be people of the word. We know that this glorifies you, Lord. So be glorified in the teaching of your word. Lead us, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now, 
In chapter 12, there was, another, there was a great sign in heaven. If you ever looked at this, and I, we kind of referred to it back then, back in September of 2017, there was a great sign, I'm using my ditto fingers, in heaven. And there was much on the internet about it because Jupiter was in Virgo and the sun and the moon lined up on both ends of Virgo apparently and it looked like Jupiter which was in retrograde and that looked like and Leo's involved and it looks like you know Jupiter which is the king planet or gave birth Virgo gave birth to Jupiter and it was all like and it was all over the internet and stuff like this and um I I want to say I want to go on record saying this and by the way this is Bible let's go there because we should in Genesis chapter 2, um, um, verse, let's start verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from, oh, I'm in chapter, I said, what did I say, chapter 2? I don't want to be in chapter 2, I want to be in chapter 1. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs for seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Okay, you got light, you know, sun, the moon, good. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, I love that. Gazillions, I, I mean, no, nobody can fathom, and he made the stars also. And by the way, the, the stars, we find out that really, they're more numerous than the sands of grain by the seashore, and he knows them all by name. He's awesome. I just want to, you know, just while we're on the subject, okay? He made the stars also. And God set them in the ferment of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and, uh, and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw, God saw that it was good. So he gave them for signs. So we're really, we like a horoscope here. I'm Scorpio, and I don't know what you are. And Scorpio's kind of a bad thing for a pastor to be. I should be like more like, you know, Leo or something, right? Because Scorpio is kind of dark and, you know, and sinister. And we're all into our horoscopes. And we go around all the time. We ask each other, hey, what's your sign, right? Because that's really important to us. Not at all. A factor in the sarcasm. A few are looking like, wait a second. <laughs> factor in the sarcasm. Uh, what, what does signs ha stars have to do with our birth and went nothing? Nothing. Okay. And we're warned in several places in Scripture to not go there. So there's, there's no reason for them. Well, wait a second. We have a, we have a reason for them. God said, I'm, I'm putting them in the, in the heavens, well, to divide seasons and days and things of this nature, and for signs. And we're in a book that's all about signs in the heaven. Um, so, you know, chapter 12, the problem with chapter 12 is that we don't all agree what the signs are. And omenology is a very subjective science. I, I, I tell you the story. A friend of mine was like, he was praying about something, and God told, gave him a yes because he saw this very rare bird that doesn't, is never in Maine. And so I asked him, you know, well, how do you know it was the yes? So, so God's telling you no. And he said, oh, he told me yes. Thinking like, from a bird? Well, Adam, you don't know how rare this bird is. And I'm like, that's not the point. Was it a dove? No. Was it an eagle? No. Well, it's sinister. You remember in the, the four soils, the birds eat the seed, and that's the gospel. The birds are messengers of Satan, so God's telling you no. 
And uh, in the next parable, you know, the birds come and they live in the, the tree. That, that, that's showing that, you know, the kingdom of God is, it grows big and the, the birds come and live there and they make their nest there. Isn't that true of the church of Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, it is. It has been over the centuries. Birds are sinister, unless they're, of course, you know, at least Levitical birds, like, you know, doves or, you know, something you could offer as a sacrifice, right? Turtle doves or pigeons or something like that. Well, this was a different bird. So I'm saying, God's telling you no. And he said, no, God's telling me yes. Well, let's see, that's how the problem is with omens. And if you live by omens, I want to live by the word of God. It's pretty well spoken. It's pretty plain. But once you start, you know, folding these, well, God told me yes, because I found a penny, well, was it heads up or was it heads down? I mean, you know, you know, God was telling you, yeah, I mean, you know, you can do anything you want if you play around long enough with those things. So I remember, you know, the internet exploded in, in, in Revelation, in chapter 12, and, but that was back in 2017. What was birthed in 2017? I don't know. A great antichrist spirit, if you ask me, that's gone worldwide. And I don't know if it was September of 2017. It seemed to be, I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really like sensitive to these things. Some people are really sensitive to these, you know, we'll drive through an area and she thinks of it as darker than even a lot of light day. I mean, like spiritually so. I think, and I think maybe just women in general, or maybe it's just my woman, I don't know. But some people are like more sensitive to spiritual things. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of like clueless in a lot of these things. So what happened back then? Nothing. Or something substantial. I don't know. That's the problem with it. No, we can't all get together on the same and we say, okay, this and this and this is important. This is what happened. And so I think when God gives us a sign, signs are supposed to clarify. I mean, you like things well marked when you're looking for something. Went to Angel Falls. Boy, that was kind of a fiasco. We went way past, and we happened to ask somebody who knew something. And the sign was like, well, she said, well, you go down the road, like, you know, it was 17 and 27, I can't remember. And you got on, and there's a couple of little mailboxes at the end there. And so we saw this little clump of mailboxes, and that's how we find it. And we were driving for like, I don't know, we went probably like 12, 15 miles past us. We found these mailboxes, and we went in there. And there's a little sign saying Angel Falls, you know. It's like, and there was nothing on the main road. And Angel Falls, the reason that we went, is the highest waterfall in Maine. It's like about 90 feet. It's pretty. And from where you park, it's only about 15 or 20 minutes into it. It's not a long walk. And we had a good day, and that was wonderful. But, like, signs are, like, helpful when they're there. When they're not, it's like, well, you drive 15 miles past. God's signs are, he lets us know they're not, they're obvious, and I think, so anything when we talk about a sign, I'm always nervous like when people, and then of course, you know, somebody else says it's this and somebody else says it's this and I'm just like, and all the would-be prophets of, of YouTube, some of them say good things and some of them are just, boy, you're wasting your time. I, I just, I watch a lot of YouTube guardedly. <laughs> Not everything on there is straight from the throne room. You understand, some people have some good things to say. And as soon, as long as they stick with the Bible. But I was interested because I, uh, I saw a guy and I, someone I, I like and I've seen a lot of his videos. I saw another sign in heaven and it says this, but nobody really teaches this as a sign. It's not a sign. There's seven angels that are going to uh, pour out the bowls of wrath. What's the problem? And he said, um, he said it was the seven, st uh, the seven angels of Pleiades. And the reason is because that's known as the, 
but I couldn't back that up anywhere. And then when I looked up online, the seven stars, because stars are angels. You're saying, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Revelation chapter 1. We, we've been there many times. And many times, like a star falls from heaven, we turn, it turns out to be an angel. But Revelation chapter 1 says in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Any questions? Jesus says so. In chapter 1, that's in the red letters. That's what Jesus says. He said, and it's a book that's very symbolic. He says when the, the symbolism, when the stars are used symbolically, they mean angels. Is In chapter 12, are the seven angels stars? And then if you look it up online, it will show you like the Big Dipper, which by the way, everyone knows that. I mean, the seven major stars. And they probably all have names. Well, God's named them all. I don't know them all. But it looks like a Big Dipper or a bowl. And as it moves across the sky during the, especially in the winter months, it kind of rotates so it looks like it's pouring out. Is that a thing? I don't know. But I direct your attention to it for, for what it's worth, and I'm thinking not so much. Because, if it, again, if it's a sign, it's obscured by the fact that we all don't know it. Um, so, And I just say that just by way of YouTube and by way of signs. Because people ask me all the time, is this this, is this this, is this this? I don't know. I'm reading the same book you are. And I'm, uh, it's, if it's not easy to connect the dots, maybe they're not to be connected. But he saw another sign in heaven, and it was great and marvelous. And they are angels, and they have the seven last plagues. So we know this to be fa a factual actual. Seven angels, seven plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. So we've gone through the halfway of the tribulation. People have accepted the sign, and they're part of Babylon, which we'll deal with in chapters 17 and 18, or they've rejected it and probably paid dearly, probably with their lives. And we've seen this several places in Scripture. And it's kind of all the dust has settled. Are there still people moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light at this point? Mm, that's a question. I think so. I think the door, the, the ark of salvation is open to the very last minute. Just, and I owe that... I think that just because I know, I think we know the nature of God and He's gracious. But this is the wrath of God. And you know, we talk about the wrath of God, and you know, some churches are very comfortable talking about the wrath of God. We, one, I don't, so last week when we were talking about, you know, the earth being reaped and the blood up to the horses' bridles, I pointed out, I think it's in the book of Joel, where it's called God's work, God's strange work. Yeah, he's a righteous judge. But we've known him as a gracious, our heavenly father. It's, it's almost hard to conceive at this point that he's a righteous judge. But he's not squishy when it comes to justice. But I don't think he's happy about this outcome. And I'll show you that as we go along. But this is it. This is wrath poured out. Everyone's made their decision. Now it's just let's get on with the program. Let's just pour out the wrath uh, because... Sin has to be dealt with. It's dealt with on a tree called Calvary, or it's dealt with eternally, visited upon the person who is the object of God's wrath, which is, by the way, everybody who's not under the blood. I talk to people all the time, I'm a good person. I'm thinking, please, explain the logic underlying that conclusion. 
I've never met a good person. I, I've talked to people. Oh, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. I, I agree. I just never met a good person other than Jesus Christ, including me. I'm the poster boy for the grace of God. Bad? Oh, you had you. If you knew half the stuff, you get out and walk up. You get up and walk out right now. Uh, if you know the stuff that I wrestle with right now, you'd probably get up and walk out. But beyond all that, am I going to heaven? Yeah. Isn't God good? Uh, am I earning it? Oh, as uh, Brother Kyle pointed out earlier, that's ridiculous. And I saw it was a word, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. <sighs> they had, okay, the sea of glass, I think it's a picture of the word of God. They stand on the word of God just like you stand on the word of God. Mingle with fire. Fire is often a picture of judgment in Scripture. Here, I don't know, because it's in heaven. I mean, it's past the point of anyone being judged. But they're in heaven. I want you to understand that. They had victory over what? The beast. Over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name. They won. I'm thinking, that's awesome. Where are they? In heaven. You've got to understand, in heaven, yay, you won. Remember, they love not their lives, even to death, even to the point of death. They were like, listen, listen, here's what you got to understand. Like, like, like the children of Israel before Nebuchadnezzar. King, King Shming, I got to tell you something right now. We ain't bowing to idol. God will deliver us. And if he doesn't, either way, we're going to, you know, it's, we're, gonna, we're not going to bow. So this, you got to understand that's what's going to happen. They're saying to the Antichrist, you know, we're not part of your system. We're not, we're not bowing. We're not, and they're dead. Now, add this all together, because it's kind of important that we do. Victory looks like death in Christ. And it's not death. I mean, I mean death as we call death. They changed their address. They're very quite alive in God's presence. They're dead here on earth. That's okay. I think we all, America, and sometimes the Church of Jesus Christ, this is all there is. That we focus on this like, man, we got to do this and we got to have our. Really? You haven't been filled up with that yet? Living our life for our own pleasure, for our own ends? You haven't given up on that idea yet that that leads to nothing good, nowhere? Yeah. You'll figure it out. I hope you figure it out sooner rather than later. I hope I'm not talking to anybody here. Um, our life only makes sense. We only have victory. We only have... When we're following God, life is good. And I, I'm even... Even when I get off that track, just a little bit, even when I deviate from just a little bit, my life starts to go sideways in a hurry, and I realize, wait a second, when did I lose it? Um, service to God is a good thing. My own, I'm trying to advance my own cause. It never works. It never, Satan's a liar and he promises and he never delivers. The sooner we learn that, the better off we'll all be. So here they are, standing on that sea of glass, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. 
Is that two different songs? Now, when you talk about the Song of Moses, people say, well, it could be, you know, Deuteronomy chapter this, uh, Numbers chapter this, Exodus chapter this, where, you know, they come out of the Red Sea and Mary and, uh, Miriam is leading the people and, you know, Moses and, and then there's at least, uh, one Psalm or more, uh, you know, attributed to, but none of them have this exact verbiage. I think it might be a new song altogether. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Like, well, is Moses the Lamb? No, he's not. But, you know, I think people also, and, and I understand this, they think of like Moses and Jesus in this sense. You know, the law comes by Moses and grace and truth by Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says that, but they're, not, they're on the same team. You understand? Moses dies and goes to heaven. Uh, I know he represents the law, um, which... The point is that he can never take the children of Israel into the promised land. The law won't get you there. Well, it would if we kept it perfectly all the time, but forget about it. That, that ship has already sailed. Uh, and we've all been, we're all sinners. And so we can all make that case. We ain't getting that way. What's, the, what's your other alternative? Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ. But um, here it is. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of, of the Lamb. Saying, or singing, these are the words, okay? Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. It almost sounds like a song. It's almost like, look it. Great and marvelous are thy works, and then there's a little bit of a diminuendo, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. It's almost, you can almost like, it almost sounds like a little sing-song kind of, kind of thing. But don't skip the words. Great and marvelous are thy works. They're saved. Right? Just and true are thy ways. Uh-oh. There's a lot of, uh, these next few chapters, a lot of judgment poured out. And we see, Look at verse 5 of chapter 16. Well, let's go back to uh, verse 4 uh, of chapter 16. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. So the fresh water is blood, all of it. I heard the angel of water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Is God just? This angel thinks so, and I think so. He's saying, if God were just, I wouldn't be going to heaven. Well, God's gracious. But his graciousness does not offset his justice. I told you before, he's not a squishy judge. Well, I did. I can recite all the sins of my youth and since. And, and again, you'd be, I'd be ashamed to say it, and you'd be ashamed to hear it. And, and God, ah, oh, don't worry about it. You did the best you can. Come on in, God says, not at all ever to anybody. My sins were dealt with. They were paid for. They just weren't paid for by me. They were paid for by Jesus Christ. But God is not a, a soft, squishy judge who overlooks sin. Sin is dealt with. It's dealt with by Jesus. Again, this is probably the third time I've said this, or it's dealt with by us. It's paid for. That's why, you know, you, you can never... We've sinned eternally against an eternal God, and we're eternal beings ourselves. You can never quite pay. That's why hell isn't like, you know, 10 years and then out. You know what I mean? It's almost like, well, that would be so bad, would it? No, it's, it's eternal. 
you're, you, you sin against the eternal God and you've got no means to, to, to offset that. Anyway, let's keep moving. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest, made obvious. They're, they're here, that we can see them. Uh, who, um, God pouring out his wrath glorifies. Yeah, yeah he glorifies himself as a righteous judge. Why? For thou only art holy, set apart. And when it comes right down to it, everything is one of two categories, creator or created. God and everything that God made. And you're in one of those categories. And I want to tell you, the former, not, not the latter, not the former. You're in the created category, just in case you wonder if you were God or not. Um, you're holy. All nations come and worship before thee. That's not true. People go to hell, right? Yeah, but even then, look at what um, it said in Philippians. Philippians chapter... Two. Um, let's start in verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, him is Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in earth and things in heaven and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now King James says should. It means will. It means shall. It's going to happen. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. You'll Every knee should bow. Every knee's going to bow. Even the ones who don't believe in them? Oh, yeah. Uh, things in earth, things under the earth. Read here, hell. Is hell going to bow to Jesus Christ? Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, and God is glorified in that. Even if they don't believe in him, they're still going to worship him. By the way, he wants that. Uh, didn't we see that in Revelation? Um, chapter... I'll get it here. Okay, chapter six, 7. Chapter 7, you remember he seals 144,000, the 12,000 from each tribe, and they go out and they share the gospel with everybody. And then there's this multitude in front of the throne in verse 9 of chapter 7. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in the hand. And he cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb. And so this great worship uh, goes out in heaven. Uh, of who? Every, no one could number, right? He is beyond counting. All nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. And by the way, racism before a verse like that should just crumble. You, know, you think he is some sort of special. No, I don't see that at all. You know. Uh, anyway, let's, enough of that. So, uh, all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Verse 5, after I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. So we have the heavenly tabernacle opened. The, the tabernacle and later on the temple are copies of that which is in heaven. We've seen this before, so I won't go into it now. Uh, we talked about that at length. 
So there's a real temple in heaven that reflect the, the earthly temple reflects the heavenly temple. So what's happened in the heavenly temple? The seven angels came out of the temple. Okay, so they were in the temple. They came out having the seven plagues. This is seven bowls of wrath. The seven last things that God has to say to the earth as far as judgments. So we had the seven seals. We had the seven trumpets. The seven trumpet was the seven bowls of wrath. This, it's the time. Here they're called seven plagues. And they're supposed to remind us, hark back to the Egyptian plagues. And we can uh, connect some dots there next week when we look at these, if you want to. Uh, because there, a lot of the same things are happening. The seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues. They're clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with gold and girdles. They're dressed like priests. One of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels. So one of them four living creatures, remember one had the head of a, uh, the head of a lion, one had the, the head of a, a man, one had the, the head of an ox, and one had the head of an eagle. One of those living creatures, they gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials. Read here, bowls is probably better understood. Vials, you think like a test tube, you know, like, you know, on a Bunsen burner. and no, It's not that at all. So it's a bowl, like as you would think. Um, um, they gave, you know, each of the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So the seven angels were in, they came on out, and no man is able to go in. Is there anyone in there? Yeah, yeah. Chapter 16, verse 1, and we won't go here. We'll finish in chapter 15, but I want to just make a point here, and it's an important point. I heard a great voice out of the temple. Remember, there's no chapter break, okay? I heard a great voice out of the temple, but no man was able to go in there. Who's in there? Well, God's in there, all by himself. Because of the smoke from the glory of God, is that the Shekinah glory? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. No one's able to enter into the... It almost harks back to when the, the temple was dedicated and the glory of God fell on the temple and the priests had to get on out of there and they couldn't go in and minister because the, 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 the glory of God was so thick that it almost kind of harks back to that, huh? God's in there and His glory's in there and angels are clearing out and no one's able to go in. And God's in there all by Himself. Adam, what are you trying to say? Well, a great voice came out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your way and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, I wish there was tone here. What do you mean? People preach whole sermons on tone. You know, when uh, God's interviewing Adam, and people will say, well, the, the woman that you gave me, emphasis added, your fault, God, and they make a big point out of God is, is being blamed, and Adam is blame-shifting God because of his fall. And we added the emphasis. Or, Adam says, the woman that you gave me, she gave me, and I ate. Different emphasis. Now, now I say, and I believe this, by the way, he's owning it, he's confessing it. And God moves out in a healing way because he's, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Does he cleanse Adam and Eve from all unrighteousness? 
And so she says, well, it was the, it was the serpent. They, you know, kind of, again, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And we're blame shifting again. Or she said, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. And tone is everything. Now I get a question. I want to shift back to Revelation 6. A great voice out of the temple. Go your way! And pour out, you know, and God's red face with rage. He's got a vein sticking out of his forehead. If God were to have a forehead or a face that could be red with rage. You understand? I'm just, I'm proposing him out. Is God, or is he saying, go your way and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth? Is God, he's, he's all by himself. Is he brooding? I don't know. I don't know. I can't, can I suggest, I think so. And why would you even suggest that? I mean, people have been miserable. They've been sitting. Look, look. Uh, um, the fifth angel in, in chapter 16, verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and the kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of the pains in their souls. And they repented not of the deeds. Boy, they so deserve this. And, they, and God is so uh, just in lowering the boom. And all the angels saying, you're just, you're right, you're holy, you're true. And they deserve this. And is God all like, yeah, you want to mess with me now? Can you hear me now? Or is he, it's got to be. It has to be. It's, it's time. Well, I want to give you a, believe any way you want for that matter, but I'll get, let's go to Second Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that this shall come in the last day, scoffers walking after their own lust. Boy, I wish I could give you an example of this, but I, I don't have any, right? No examples of this happening anywhere in the world. Oh, my goodness. And they're saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Oh, God's so holy, God's so just, Right. Oh, God's so upset with us. Everything's just as it always has been. <sighs> For this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the word that then was being overflowed with water perished. Don't they remember the flood? But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Again, there's going to be judgment. Oh, it won't be water this time. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What promise? The promise of justice. The promise of wrath poured out. The promise that all things are going to be made right. That nobody's getting away with anything. Lord's not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness. But his long-suffering toward usward. What Read here, patient. Not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. The majority of people according to Jesus Christ, perish. It's a broad way that leads to destruction. It's a narrow way. It's a straight gate that leads to life. 
And God's not willing that any should perish. And he's done everything to secure our eternity. He's done everything. And he's not willing that any should perish. But many of us will just have no part of it. And don't blame God when you're in hell or when you're receiving these plagues or anything. And I think we're in that place where a lot of people we know and love are so hard-hearted and so hard-hearted and so rebellious. And we know some people who are going to be, this is going to be visited upon them. I'm brokenhearted too. I think we have the Lord in the temple brooding. I suggest. It's important that you know God. I mean, and how you present him. He's just a furious cosmic killjoy and you want to have fun and he's just ready to rain on your parade and damn you to hell for all eternity. Well, he's not. He's our lovingly heavenly, heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he's brought you to this place, or maybe people join us online, he's brought you to this place at such a time as this to hear what he has. And if anyone still hasn't repented yet, you can't repent too soon. Um, You know, 4th of July, here's the day of the year we celebrate our rebellion. King, push us around. Taxes without representation. Hey, put your tea right in the harbor. How do you like that? You know, and, and the whole thing. And I'm celebrating right along with you. I think the beginning of America is glorious, and I think God set this nation. As a, but don't make too much of this rebellion. You know, He blessed us despite that. I think in some some ways. Uh, and I'm here. We are celebrating using our, our First Amendment rights to uh, worship, however we uh, however we see fit. And I think that's a wonderful thing God has d- done. But don't keep being a rebellion. And if you want to rebel, rebel against the status quo. Like recently, I think it was like 6%, Bonner did a, a study, and 6% of America has a biblical worldview. Go with the status quo. Be part of the 94. You think you're some sort of rebel. You're so mainstream. I ain't, I ain't bowing my knee to God. I don't know who you think he is. You are so mainstream. You are lame. You are just, you want to rebel. I'm serving Jesus Christ, and I don't care who says what about it. That's rebellion. That's that, my thinking. That's like, we're not part of what's going on. It's all going to hell anyway. I'm rebelling against that. You can have my head anytime you want. You can, I ain't bowing to your to your 666, I ain't part of the system. And before that, I'm still not part of the system. I'm not bowing to your gods. I'm not part of what's going on. I'm not woke as a joke. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> it's the, the new morality. It's, it's the old immorality. Hard pass. Forget about it. Anyway, I, I've got a lot more to say about that, but uh, time is well spent. So, boy, eight verses, I couldn't get it in anyway. I thought it would be, Leaving, leaving early this morning, but that's, forget about it. Anyway, our uh, worship leaders will come and lead us out of here in song. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, the date is late. The time is well spent that we should have repented long ago. The ones who are still rebelling against you, Lord, why would we rebel against love? Our God is love. Our God is also consuming fire. And Lord, help us to choose right. 
Soften hearts, Lord, that are hard against you. Like you softened our hearts, Lord. Like you have, like you've brought us close to you. We praise and thank you for being gracious toward us and for saving us. So Lord, save many. In Jesus' name, amen.